something happened last weekend here at our church that was a really big deal. On Sunday after church, we all, uh, many of us anyways, we piled in our cars and we headed down about an hour and a half south of here to Fort DeSoto Beach, and we had a beach baptism. We had uh, somewhere, I mean, we really didn't count, but it had to be somewhere in the neighborhood of two, 250 people made that journey down there. Uh, many were being baptized. Many were supporting people who were being baptized. Some just were church family that wanted to see it firsthand, and it was an incredible weekend, and I want to celebrate that by, by uh, in a couple of ways. First, let me just say, we had 88 people baptized down at the beach. And whenever I show a number like that, I, I always want to follow it up with, because I know there's people, you're new to church, and maybe baptism you don't even understand necessarily. Uh, you certainly don't understand that number. To put it in perspective, and I think we're approaching uh, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, of maybe 300 baptisms for the year or more uh, this year. But for those of you that don't understand that, many churches today in our culture and our communities would love to have one, two, three, four baptisms a year. We did 88 in one day. And so that's a good thing for you to know uh, because what it says is that the church I'm attending, the church that I give my resources to, the church I'm serving is making a difference in our community. When you see a number like that, a number 88, uh, yeah, don't, don't take it lightly. It is a really, a really big deal. When you see that number 88, it says people have discovered eternal life. It means people have maybe rededicated their life to Jesus. It's a portrait of daddies coming back to their families. It's a portrait of restored marriages. And so I, I want to tie all this into something here real quick before I move on. Beginning of summer, some of you were here, and I said, as a church, we go all in in the summer. Pedal down. Some churches take it easy in the summer. New Walk does not. That number 88 is a culmination of several months ago, our church going all in together. I stood up here, and I said, would you support our ministry um, during the summer, if you're not already? Would you get a part of automated giving, whatever it was? Because we are really working to reach our community, and so many of you did that. Others of you, you were already doing that to support our church. I want to just say, just from pastor to congregation, when you see that number 88, because you took steps, because you have taken steps to support the work of this church, I want to say, Pastor, to you all, thank you so much for your serving, your giving, your caring for this ministry. And that number means, hey, hey, it's a part of something that you have been a part of. Our, our series, Stay Positive, has been really about just that, how we can stay positive. We live in a world that's messy, and it's not always easy to stay positive. We know that. Uh, I was particularly saying, as we started off this series, that when we consider, though, as a believer in Christ, all that we have, our sin has been forgiven. Uh, we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. God has given us so much in our lives. Because of that, uh, we should always be the most positive people on the planet. We just have a lot to be positive about. But I said at the beginning, also, I am not here to say, let's do a series where everybody paints on a fake smile and pretends like everything is easy. Not at all. That's not what this series has been about. 
we've taken some deep looks at how to stay positive. If you've missed any week of this series, you can go back to uh, our YouTube account, our New Walk Church YouTube account. You can go to our website, newwalk.church, and you can catch up on the other weeks of this series that we've already been going into. I want to talk to you today, though, about how to stay positive or infuse positivity into conversations, relationships. I think I'm going to give you some great wisdom if, if you're married or you want to be married. If you're dating, you're going to get some great wisdom. If you are uh, wanting to enhance your friendships, you're going to get some helpful wisdom. Maybe you got some tense situations going on with coworkers. I'm going to help you with that as well. Just all of this applies to all of that. Relationships are important. We know this, that the data tells us this. That people will say they are happiest in life, they see life in happier settings and outcomes and the view of life when their relationships are going well. It's just because they consume such a huge part of our livelihood, when relationships are going well, we see life well. When relationships are going poorly, we don't see life as well. And, and so what is the driver for great relationships? Oftentimes it's our words. The things that we say to one another in a healthy way or, as we know, uh, if we say something in an unhealthy way, it can have a huge effect on our relationships. I'm going to give you some wisdom, really, ultimately from God's Word that I think can help you say right words, right place, right time with other people. I do want to be clear, though, give you a bit of a warning this, I do not stand up here and say, okay, you got your message notes, write these down. And now if you write these things down and you kind of try to do these things, uh, maybe everything will go perfectly in your relationships. Everything will go well. You'll start speaking these immaculate words to people. Uh, I certainly believe this is going to help a lot of people here. But I, the warning I have is that if you are here today and there is a lot of messiness in your heart, remember our words come, our words come from an outflow of our heart. If your heart is deeply damaged because of things people have done to you in your past, said to you, hurtful things done, said to you, it's very possible that there's some deep wounds and brokenness in here. And I can give you some techniques, but if you don't allow God to get into a rich journey of deep healing of your heart, potentially get therapy, counseling for some of that, I can give you these tips, but you're still going to find yourself struggling. And I highly recommend counseling and therapy for those who've gone through that. I want to give you this bit of a kind of a big idea for our time together here. It's in your notes. If you want to write this down, you're taking notes. Uh, let me just give you a big idea for our talk here today. I put in your notes. I'm going to speak to the believers. Uh, what I'm about to share, if you're an unbeliever, maybe you get it, maybe you don't. I don't know. But as a believer, this is our story. Ready? As a believer, God is putting every relationship in your life so that you can help bring out the best in them. What is the opposite of bringing out the best in somebody? It's bringing out the worst. And believers are not to do that. We should be bringing out the best in people. I think that makes sense. If you're a believer, you understand that's important, right? Two greatest commandments, uh, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, very much a clear command in caring deeply about others. And if you are a healthy believer in Christ, one of the things you do is you are a part of bringing out the best 
in somebody else. With that as the big idea, with that as the backdrop for everything I want to share with you today in our time together, giving you some helpers and how to bring out the best in others, I want to move, pivot to the text that we're going to be spending time in today. It's in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 25. This text is a re- record of history related to a few particular characters that we're going to look at as they are revealed in this historic text. And the main characters, I'm going to give you Cliff Notes version here. All right, let me give you this Cliff Notes version. If you've got your notes, here's the three characters. The first one is David. And some of you know who David is. Maybe you're not even a believer, but you heard of David and Goliath. That's who we're talking about here. Uh, David. David ultimately becomes a king, but in the time that we're looking at in history, he is not yet king, but he is a great war hero. And so I put that in your notes. David, just remember, war hero. He's kind of a celebrity because he has been in some battles where he has taken down the adversary in a big way. Uh, People are so proud of the work that he's done. Uh, They sing songs about him. He's considered this great warrior, and he's been journeying the countryside with his 600 troops, and they're going to be in need of some supplies. We'll get to that in a minute, but that is David. Here's the next character that's going to be evident in our time together, Nabal. And I just put in your notes, he's sheep guy. Okay, so I, I could tell you a lot about Nabal. I'm, I'm not going to do that, but he's, he's rich, and he's got a lot of resources, like a ton of resources, so he's doing very well off financially, uh, but he's also a bit of a jerk. And when he speaks to people, he uses jerky words. All right, so we'll leave that there. And then the next one is Abigail. And if you study the Bible There's some really incredible things about Abigail. She certainly is a very wise woman, but for the purposes of our time together, let's just say she's sheep guy's wife, all right? All right, so Nabal is her husband, okay? They're married, Abigail and Nabal, and uh, now she, again, very wise. Uh, Her name means father's joy, and in the portrait of our time together today, she's going to get in the middle of a very messy situation. So I'm setting it up for our time together. Let me give you a quick text out of Proverbs, and I think you'll know this to be true. You're not even a believer, maybe some of you, but you know this is true. Here we go. Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue, our mouths, has the power of life and death. How many of you know that our words can either bring life to people or tear them down? Everybody knows this, right? Of course. So we have to manage that, right? We have to pay attention to that. And as I mentioned earlier, those words ultimately come from the heart. They can bring life to something, or in one little spark of a word, they can set something ablaze. We've all seen it happen, where words are used in a messy way, and they damage people. Let's look at our text in 1 Samuel 25 in verse 1 as we find these three characters pretty quickly mentioned in the text. Let's go to verse 1. It says this, Then David moved down into the desert of Paran, a certain man in Maon who had property there in Carmel. He was very wealthy. He had a 1,000 goats, 3,000 sheep. He had more than just sheep. Goats, he was shearing and he was shearing in Carmel. His name, this guy who had a lot of resources, his name was Nabal, and his wife's name, there it is, his wife's name, her name was Abigail. 
She was intelligent. She was a beautiful woman. But her husband, Nabal, he was surly and mean in his dealings. Don't you love the honesty of the Bible? It's like basically saying he's a jerk. Okay, that's what it's saying here. Uh, he was a Calebite. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent, David did, 10 men and said to them, here's what I want you to do. Go talk to Nabal and send a message, David says, on my behalf, and here's what I want you to say to him. Go up to Nabal at Carmel, greet him in my name, in David's name, and say to him, long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. This is so respectful. The words being used here uh, that David is saying, go tell Nabal, it, it's, it's very respectful. Go on and say this. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time we were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. All right, remember David's out fighting with his 600 men as they're in the presence of all of these sheep and all the resources that Nabal has. What David is saying is like, we took care of them. Like we protected you, man. And we are now just about to make an ask of you. We're greeting you in a kind and respectful way, and we're about to ask you for something, and he's setting the table for, can you also help, kind of help us out? And, and not only had David's people done some good things for Nabal and all of his flocks, also at that time, it would have been very common in that culture for somebody like David and his people traveling to be taken care of as they went from town to town. In that culture, like if you were a visitor, especially a hero like that or a prophet or somebody, you know, really important in, in, in the work of, of the kingdom, people would have brought you into their homes and just said, we're going to take care of you anyways, right? We don't, that's foreign to us today. In 2023, it's like, uh, you go take care of yourself, I take care of myself. Nobody else. But in this time, and it's like a lost art for today, but in this time, it's like, hey, you're coming into town. We want to make sure we take care of you anyways. But David, being respectful, setting the table, here's what it says. Now, here's what I want you to do. Ask your own servants, by the way. Uh, don't just take my word for it. Nabal, ask your own people. They'll tell you that we've been taking care of y'all. Therefore, be favorable toward my men, since we come at a festive time, please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. Basically, translation, can you hook a brother up right here? You know, it's like that's all I'm asking here in this moment. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name, and then they waited for Nabal's response. And here was Nabal's response. Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Oh, crap. Oh, this is where it goes bad, y'all. Because here's what you need to know. He already knew who David was. He was a hero. This is a, this is a phrase of disrespect. He's like, like, who are you coming at me and who is David anyways? Why do you think he's such a big deal? All of the reputation that David had, and now in this moment, Nabal is hitting him with dis, hitting his servants with disrespect. Instead of speaking right words in return, Nabal does what he's been doing in his life and he uses unhelpful words. And what it's going to do is do something that we've all seen take place in our lives. 
it's going to cause a devolving or a spiraling of dialogue. Have you ever seen a man disrespect another man and watch what happens? He goes off, you know, and it just devolves into this really horrible spectacle, right? Because men don't like to be disrespected. We, it's not just, though, man to man, right? Like we see this in our homes when we're uh, with our spouses. Some of you have encountered this or with, a, with somebody you love and somebody said something and then bam, bam, bam. All of a sudden this thing starts going south in a hurry. It, it can happen in any relationship. It can have a big effect when we use unhelpful, disrespectful, uncaring words, of course, the contrary, or contrast that, when we use helpful, positive words, also helps any situation. We're getting an example, though, of what can happen here when our words are used wrong. It goes on and says this. Who is this son of Jesse? So he does know who he is. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and my water and the meat that I have slaughtered from my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men, they go back, they report, they go back and they report. When they arrive to see David, they report every word. They're like, he said this and we said this. And we were like, oh no, he didn't. Oh yeah, he did. He did. He disrespected And so it says this, David said to his men, each of you, here it goes, ready? Strap on your sword. Here we go. Strap on. You disrespect me, it is on. And so uh, they did, and David put on his sword as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. One of the servants told Abigail, then Nabal's wife, kind of changing what's about to happen now. Here's the moment. Chaos is ensuing, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, gets word from one of Nabal's servants about what took place. See, she wasn't there when this unhelpful dialogue took place, but now one of the servants is coming to her and said, hey, I need to bring to your attention something very unhelpful that just took place. And so now, enter the wise woman into the story. Here we go. David sent messengers. Here, I just want to tell you, Abigail, here's what just happened. David sent his messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Let me stop right there. I put a fill in there in, in your notes, and that's this. If we're talking about staying positive, being positive, we have to remember that ultimately we have the power with our words to destroy relationships or bring them to life. And we're seeing, we're going to see as this story plays out, one guy bringing destruction. And as Abigail enters the picture, she's going to use her words to bring life to a very dead and broken situation. Here's the question, though, I put in your notes, and it's in mine as well. What about you personally? Do the people in your life know that when they come to you, they can get the right words of love and wisdom from you? Abigail is clearly seen, right? This is why the servants go and talk to her because they already know her reputation. She's a wise and she's a smart woman. And they're coming to her because they know they can count on her to to help kind of be the fixer in this situation. Uh, Do people know that when there's conflict, they can come to you and you'll bring healing. They can come to you and you'll bring restoration with God's words, God's wisdom. What do people get when they get you 
Or do they know, really, do they know that when they come to you, they might get unhelpful words? Maybe a bit of ugliness, some negativity in the dialogue. It's just a question, kind of a self-examination of our own hearts. And we need people around us that can also speak wisdom when sometimes we get a little bit off the rails in our own mind and the way we're thinking about things. And, and I, I do, like sometimes I'll come home and, and I'll just, you know, I'll be telling Sean, like my, my wife is like, oh man, I am upset and frustrated. I'm getting a little negative with my words. And look, I have the Holy Spirit of God and I'm so grateful for that to kind of help guide me at times. But even, even with that, I kind of get off the rails. But then I have something else I like to call the Shawnee Spirit of God as well, my wife. And she comes and steps in because she's a wise woman and she'll kind of calm me down. Hey, some things I need to tell you, that kind of stuff. And so it always ha- helps to be that person, but to also have people like that that you can count on to help you when you're low as well. Verse 15, now that they're sharing this disrespect that her husband delivered, they go on to say, yet these men, they were very good to us. They're telling Abigail, the servants, they're saying, they did not mistreat us, David's people. The whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing night and day. They were a wall around us the whole time. We were herding our sheep. We were near them, and they, they had this wall around us. Uh, now, think it over. See what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. A portrait of a, of a man with a hardened heart. Almost like nothing good is coming out anymore. And the people of the household know it. But I want to pause and bring your attention to that phrase that was just there in the text. It said, it said, disaster is hanging over our home. I want to say right now, there are there's somebody here in this audience, and I don't know everybody's situation, but because of the words you've been using in your marriage, there is disaster hanging over your home. And if somebody doesn't get the words right and step up and take the role and step up and say, I'm going to infuse positivity into this situation, it's going to get uglier. And so maybe if that's you, if you're one of these situations, uh, you need to pay close attention. I, I I hope you will. Others of you, maybe things are going pretty good right now in your life. Maybe things are okay. It's okay. But you need to know that if things ever get, start to get ugly with your words, like you, you're putting yourself in position for disaster to be hanging over your home. And so what's the response? What do we do in a moment where it's crisis? What's Abigail do? Here's what it says in the text. Abigail, Abigail acted, she acted what? Quickly. Yeah, that, that's right. She was urgent about the situation. That's the mentality you have to have when there's a broken relationship. Somebody has got to act quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seahs of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on the donkeys. Do you see her urgency to the situation? And so I put this in your notes. The best time to speak lovingly in bad situations is immediately. Okay, we've been picking at each other, uh, we've been beating each other down, somebody's got to step up and immediately start speaking lovingly. You're struggling right now in your relationship, maybe you're struggling right now in in your marriage. Uh, The time is not next year to get this right. The time is not when your kids are grown and gone. 
The time is not when you, or it's not the time to sweep it under the rug. It's time to be aggressive about winning this person back with starting ultimately with your words. Something though I do notice about Abigail is she doesn't just come on this journey to see David. She's going to make this journey to go see David and try to heal the situation. She doesn't just do it to use her words. You can see she's loaded up. She's she's bringing the action stuff with her. And I think that's so important because many times we are really good at being talkers, right? Especially men. Let's just address, we know this. Men are really good at this, right? She's upset. She's, she's mad about something. She's telling you about something that's going on and she, she needs your help with. And you start blah, blah, blah. You, these are the things I'm going to do. I'm going to try to get better, babe. I promise I'm going to get better. And, and, but there's no action. Girl, don't, don't elbow him right now, please. Just, just let him listen. <laughs> All right, so it's like, hey, when, I know you talk the talk, but when are you going to actually do something? And I love that Abigail's kind of in this place right now where she's saying, I'm going to use my words, but I'm going to do the action as well. And so I put this in your notes. You got to be willing to back up your words with actions. She's modeling this for all of us who like to talk, but not actually back it up with our actions. Some of you, you've been talking about how much you want to invest in your kids, maybe spiritually and spend time with them as well. But where are the action steps? Uh, I want to do better in my marriage or this relationship, but where are the action steps? You've got to be willing to back it up with action steps. In, in this text, it goes on and says in verse 19, then she told her servants, all right, so she's loaded up, Going ahead, I'm going to follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. She's just, <laughs> I'm heading out. And so she's riding. All right, so she's making her way down to see, to, de, to see David. She gets in the Escalade, and she makes her way. Oh, it's a donkey, I mean, and makes her way to the mountain ravine. And, and there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. And David had just said, <laughs> here's, here's what he was saying. In fact, he's gotten so nutty, David has, about this situation he starts talking about himself in the third person. Like you're getting sideways when you're referring to yourself in the third person. But anyways, here he goes. He says, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David. Here we go. <laughs> May God deal with, he's talking about himself. But David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. Man, he is enraged. And so she has picked exactly the right time because he's already on his way to go see Nabal. Isn't it interesting how quick something can spiral? Let's go back to verse 6 for just a moment when David is feeling really good about his words, right? Here it is. Say to him, long life to you, good health to you and your household, good health to all that is yours. I that's beautiful. And then quickly, verse 22, may God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. It, 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 can, it can go so quick. One minute he's trying to be kind, and the next minute he's like, hide your kids, hide your wives, I'm coming. Like, it's, getting, it's about to go down right, right now. And, and that's 3,000 years ago recorded in history, but... It's so beautiful how God's word is applicable to us today because we've seen this happen, all of us. 
how our words can lead us to such low places. I, I put this in your notes. Ultimately, when we're in these moments, we want stay positive, infuse positivity. We got to remember what will come alive in others is the part that you speak greatness into. And as she approaches David, she's going to speak not towards anything negative, not towards something messy. She's going to speak to who David is and try to speak to something great about him. Right? I mean, I think if any of us are in this situation where we're, where we're wanting something to change in somebody else, we have a choice, right? Uh, are we going to speak to the negative side of that person or are we going to speak to something great about that person? And Abigail is using a technique here that says, hey, I, I could come at him and saying, like, why are you coming after my man? You know, and, and, but she, she speaks, she's going to speak to something, something positive and I'll say this to the ladies in the room. This man that, some, those of you who are married, or maybe you're not married, but you want something different from him. Your man has a punk side to him or a prince side. Uh, all right, every, we've been through life enough, uh, men, women, like we have a side of us that can be unhealthy that we can have a gravitational pull towards if we're not careful. But we also have this side of something that we want to be better. And, and ladies, you have a chance to speak to either. If you want your man to develop further his punk side, speak to his punk side. And he'll become more of a punk. If you want him to become more of the prince side of things, speak to the prince side of things. I put this in my notes. Too many people are waiting to me, ladies. They're waiting for their prince to come when they ought to be crowning the king they already have. With their words. I'm talking about saying, okay, I, I want to, I've got a choice, and what am I going to do? She has a choice, and she's using that choice to move towards a healthier conversation, pulling out something great in him. And look, I, I have that choice, you have that choice, and again, the Holy Spirit guides me to say something better, but there's this gravitational pull to the nastiness of this world, and sometimes, you know, it gets a little sideways even, even for me. And, and, and so I understand that all of us have this struggle at times to get the right words out, but we have to see the positivity of the right words and the brokenness that can come in a relationship when these unhealthy words are used. Let's go on to verse 23. When Abigail sees David, she saw David, she quickly gets off her donkey, bows down before David with her face on the ground, fell at his feet, pardon your servant. So she's using her words to be very respectful towards him. My Lord, let me speak to you, hear what your servant has to say. She's modeling something else that's critical here. What is she doing? She's humbling herself before this man. She's it literally bending a knee. Now, I, I'm going to talk to you about humbling ourselves before God and before others when things are getting ugly. I'm, I'm really not talking about bending a knee uh, physically, but I'm talking about emotionally and spiritually. Sometimes when we're involved in something very unhealthy, dialogue, relational struggles with somebody else, the best thing we can do is humble ourselves and say, I'm here before you. Look, look we're, we're going through some struggles. Let, let, let me serve you. Let me just serve you. Now, this makes sense, what Abigail is modeling. Let's go to marriage for just a second. What is marriage? 
It's two people becoming one flesh. And in order to become one flesh, what has to happen? Each side has got to die of something. There, there, you know, like I had things in my life and she had things in her life, but we joined together with something new. And that means there's probably some things that I used to kind of have or want or believe that were kind of part of my life. But now if we're going to make something new, we got to kind of join in this together, which means I have to humble myself. She has to humble herself. We ultimately have to humble ourselves before God and each other. And that positions ourselves for a better outcome in a relationship. Abigail is just simply in this position saying, there's something great that we have potential for here, and I want to set the table by just bending a knee here and honoring this person that I have come into contact with. I thought this was a beautiful portrait of mending a relationship because ultimately, this is what Jesus did for us. Uh, Jesus died on the cross so that we have a great relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when he went to that cross, he humbled himself, laid himself out on a cross for all of humanity, gave up of himself. We talked about it, I think it was, it was uh, last week. I, I, Jesus could have bypassed, short-circuited, whatever, but he didn't. He, went all, he humbled himself by going all the way to the cross. But by doing that, by serving humanity in that way, we can now all have an enhanced, powerful relationship with our Heavenly Father. In our individual human relationships, if we want something great out of somebody else, a great posture is to kind of put ourselves up on kind of on our own little setting of our own little cross and say, God, what is it that you're trying to reveal to me that I need to let go of so that I can honor this person that I'm struggling with in my own life? Abigail understands this. I put in my notes, and it's in yours, you have to get on your own cross and serve. You're going through a struggle in a relationship right now. How can you get on your own cross and humble yourself and serve that person to start being the leader that brings healing into that situation? You know, I talk to people all the time who are struggling in their marriage, and you know what they want? They want a technique. They want me to give them three, four things to help them, and, and that's important. Like, I should help them with those three or four techniques. But you know what a lot of people don't want to do? humble themselves and put themselves on the cross to serve somebody else. People don't want to do that in our culture today. They want the wedding. You know, they want to spend, you can buy the gown, you can get the honeymoon, uh, you can do all that stuff. But if you're not willing to put yourself out there to sacrifice some of the things of your flesh to put aside so you can have that better marriage, this thing's going to get off the rails pretty quick. And in our culture, few people today are willing to do that. It's not just marriage, though. Again, you're struggling at work with somebody. What if you just bent a knee and just served that person for a little while? What outcomes might you get different from that person that you decided to honor? 1 Samuel 25, verse 25 says this. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He's just like his name. His name means fool. Folly goes with him. As for me, your servant, I did not see the men you sent. She's like, hey, I... My man, he's living up to his name. And she's, she's trying to like set an example here. I just want to be clear. She's not insulting her husband here. She's doing everything she can do in the moment to protect the house. And she's got to. Like this is, she has to put everything in motion in order to bring healing here. But it is interesting how she says, 
oh, by the way, he is kind of living up to his name. There's something about the power of a name, especially if you've been called a name of some sort in your life for a period of time. You, you will seemingly live up to that name. When you were young, maybe people said something to you derogatory about you, your life, who you are, who you could be, and you, you kind of, they, they, they use names or whatever it may be, and, and you kind of started to embrace that, and it, it can become your life. I was, I was looking at a, some research the other day, and it said that there's an inordinate amount of people who are named Dennis who become dentists. And for real, you can look that up. Uh, there's an inordinate amount of people who are lawyers, and their name is Lawrence. It's just there, right? It's like living up to a name kind of thing. And what Abigail is saying is like, he's like he's living up to his, his name here. He's becoming that which people have called him. He's becoming folly. And it's just a reminder that, again, the words have affected at some point in Nabal's life. It's, it's affected him as well. She's coming to David with the very best posture she can to protect and solve this situation. Verse 26, and now my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming you, my Lord, be like Nabal. They, let them encounter folly, all of your enemies, because Man, I, so she, you see, she's pulling out all the stops. This is where she's speaking to his greatness and who he has been. But there's something else she's doing in this moment. She's starting to speak towards the greatness that could be one day. Abigail understands that David is destined to be king. And she starts pulling out something out of David by speaking to destiny. Greatness and destiny. And I put that in, in my notes and it's in yours as well. We speak to people's God potential and destiny. When things are going good, when things are going unhelpful, like we have to be focused on speaking words that help develop what could be in that person's life. Right, one time when Peter was not acting like the rock that God wanted him to be, Jesus said, I call you Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Hey, Peter, you, you know what? Things are getting a little sideways, might get a little sideways for you, but I just want you to know, Peter, that I see great destiny in you. If something happens and stirs in another person when you and I speak to their potential. Here's what it says. It goes on. It says, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord, in other words, all of your enemies that you have to do battle with, uh, they will be bound securely in this, you will be bound securely in this bundle of living by the Lord your God. He's going to take care of you, but the lives of your enemies, they will hurl away from you as though it's a pocket of a sling. And when the Lord has delivered, or when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord David every good thing, his promise concerning him, and look here, has appointed him, she's speaking to the future, king ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed of having avenged himself. And when the Lord, uh, your God, has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant David. Remember your servant. And then David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord. He's like, whatever she said works for me. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. Through her words and through her actions, 
She reverses the curse of something that could have been very, very ugly for the future of her family, Nabal's family. Speaking towards greatness and destiny can do a lot for somebody. I, I remember one time one of my daughters came to me and said, uh, uh, we were talking and, and I said something to her. I said, I said to one of my daughters, I said, I said, I am, so, daddy's so proud of you. And you know how sometimes kids can be so quick with some of the things they say in response. My, my daughter said back to me, she said, oh, really? Well, what are you proud of me about, dad? <laughs> okay, well, I better deliver here. You know, I just said I was proud of her and I better deliver. And I can remember in that moment, like I could have said I was proud of their their activity of the things they were doing now, right? I could have said, like, you're making good grades. I'm so proud of you. You're making good decisions. Your friend choice, your things, all these things, your decision-making, like, I'm so proud of you now. But I started to speak to how proud I was, uh, was of them for things that are to come. Speaking of destiny, I'm so proud of the decisions that you're going to make one day because of the way you're living now. I'm so proud of the light that you're going to become one day for people in our community and around you because of the light that you are now. I'm so proud of things that are to come, the, the leadership skills that you're going to be able to put on display one day as you get older. I was speaking to their potential and to their destiny, and I watched my daughters light up because they know their daddy believes something big is in store for them. We can do that with anybody, not speaking to their individual activity, but the identity and who God has them to be one day. Now, things can turn ugly in a hurry if we're not careful. It's like middle school. Maybe you remember in middle school, somebody said something ugly to somebody and somebody said something ugly to somebody else, maybe even in high school as well. And, and they're starting to yell and kind of threaten each other. And then the crowd gathers around. Fight, 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 fight. And it goes from ugly to uglier, 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 and things start to get really messy in a hurry. And I wonder how many of us have adult, as adults have operated in our most important relationships in life like middle schoolers. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, this transition into being something that can speak healthier words for healthier outcomes, it does start, like I said earlier, in the heart. And it's a heart journey. It's a heart restoration, renovation. And guys, anytime I talk about getting words right, I, I like to just remind you that this is my story. You know, there was a time in my life where I could tear anybody down with my words. They were ugly. They were nasty. And I can remember sitting in a church just like you're doing today. And I just remember saying, God, I, I, other things were going on in my life. I just said, I don't, I don't want this anymore. And I got a family. I, I, I want to be an encourager, not a discourager. I, I want to speak healthier words. And ultimately, God, I want to surrender my life to you. And just right where I was seated, I said, and just invited Christ into my life. And he forgave me. And things radically changed. And, and, and something that changed pretty quickly for me was the words that I use. And though it's not always easy, and sometimes I don't always get it right when it comes to being as encouraging as I need to be, generally, uh, God has done a radical 180 transformation of my life. And he can do that 
for any of you, not just your words, but decision-making choices, better outcomes in, in life and relationships. But it starts with you having a relationship with your heavenly father. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to give you a chance to do what I did all those years ago. Others of you just right now, you're here, you're already a believer in Christ. And yet God is revealing just some unhealthiness in the conversations and communications. We've been talking about stay positive, but there's a lot of negativity going on in some area of your life. And God's revealing to you as a believer, your job is to bring out the best in others. And so maybe right now, it's just for some who are believers, it's just a time of God help restore me where I need to be. God, get into work on my heart, deep down inside. It's an inside job. And so God, I just want you to do a work on the inside. But in a room this large, we have a lot of people here, people watching online. You're watching this. You're, you're within the sound of my voice right now. And you're like me all those years ago. You, you, you don't want this to go on any longer. There's something going on. I, it could be your words. It could be something else. And it's dragging down your life. It's dragging down people around you. And you could do what I did. You could just, just surrender and say, God, today, right now, I surrender to you. I bend a knee in my heart. God, I'm ready to make you Lord of my life. I believe that Jesus went to the cross to reconcile a relationship with, make a relationship with God for me, for the forgiveness of my sin. And those who are forgiven of their sin are in connection with God. And so, God, right now, I just ask for that forgiveness of sin through the gift of Jesus Christ. God, forgive me. Restore me. Put something new in my heart. Renovate. Go to work. Cleanse it. Repair it. Restore it. I'm ready now, God, to surrender this life to you, to know what you have in store for me for my future eternally as well. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision this morning for the first time, I remember that day so fresh in my mind still to this day. I want to celebrate with you that decision that you made.